You know what? I feel like singing that chorus again. Do you mind hopping back up? I think I need a singer. Yeah, yeah. Let's sing that chorus again. I think there's something God wants to do in that. Just my heart is open. You can stay seated. But let this be the prayer of your heart. May that be the prayer of our hearts this morning, that we're open to whatever you want us to do. In Jesus' name. Thanks, crew, for being flexible. Well, we're in the, uh, uh, our Lenten series. Lent is the period leading up to Easter. It's a, where we prepare our hearts for the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and one of the Christian traditions is giving something up for Lent. Usually it's red meat, uh, but we've expanded that out because we're not bound by tradition. Tradition is there to help serve us, not be a shackle for us. And, uh, and so the concept of giving something up is something that we explore. And, I, and um, you know, I, I do this as a, a Lenten um, practice every uh, single year. And, and, it, and it focuses me. It focuses me on, on, uh, on, on just um, removing some of those things in my life that uh, God uh, you know, might have put a bit more emphasis on than I shouldn't have. And we all have those things in our lives, don't we, where we put emphasis on them greater than what they should. And, and instead of them being an enjoyment or something that is wonderful, they actually start becoming an idol, start becoming something that uh, has more value than what it does. And so over this Lenten period, uh, I've been encouraging you uh, to give something up and I hope that you've been entering into that and enjoying uh, that process. But over this Lenten period, we're also looking at the radical hospitality of God, that God is more for us than what we give him credit for, that he welcomes us into his presence. And and we might have all these excuses about why God shouldn't welcome us or couldn't welcome us, but we're going to explore that God actually dismantles all of them. Uh, As we look at all the dinner table stories uh, that Jesus uh, finds himself out because it's at the dinner table, particularly in the Jewish culture, a couple of thousand years ago, where acceptance and, and, and inclusivity happens. And so, so this morning we're going to be talking about God welcomes busy people. And isn't that a good news for us? That God welcomes busy people. Now, if I'm preaching this morning and I'm looking directly at you, that doesn't mean that I think that you're a busy person. Or it might. And so we're going we're gonna to have a very short story. And you, you, if you've touched Christianity at all in, in any shape or form, you've probably heard this story before. It comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And uh, it goes like this. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, so Jesus is heading to the cross. Whenever it says in Matthew, Mark or Luke that Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, he's heading to the cross. He he knows and he has communicated with his disciples that he must die and suffer for you and for me so that we can be right with God. So as it says, as he continues on the way to Jerusalem, as he continues on his way to die for you and me, They came to a certain uh, village where there was a woman named Martha and she welcomed him 
into her home. That's a beautiful thing. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening at what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister sits here while I do all the work? No one's ever said that before in their whole life, have they? Why am I the only one setting up the chairs? Why am I the only one caring for these people? Why am I the only one? Doesn't it seem unfair to you, God, that she sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, there's a little thing in Christian ministry that we learn, and and it, it works in all kinds of areas of relationship. It's called triangulation. That is, is where you don't want to have a a conversation with someone so you'll bring a third person in to try and tell them what you should tell them but you don't have the guts to or you don't want to. It's called triangulation. It happens all the time. And this is what Martha is trying to do here. She's trying to triangulate. She could have said, Mary, come and help. But that would be logical, sensible, effective communication. But instead what she wants to do is she wants to bring in the big gun, call in the minister... To triangulate. And she doesn't really get what she bargains for. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, kind of feel that tone, don't you? Just the, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Now there's lots of preaching that's happened on this passage to talk about the fact that being busy is not what God wants you to do. And I'm not going to take that that tone this morning. I'm going to say that God actually welcomes and loves the busy people, but there's certain parameters that needs to come in it. But I don't know about you, but for me, I'm feeling like the world is kind of getting a little bit busier. Anyone else join me? Anybody think the world's getting busier? It's just me? Like, even if we don't have a lot to do, it seems like we've got a lot to do. There's TV programs to catch up on. Or there's a list of jobs that appear on the kitchen desk as you get up for your day off. I'm not saying that's me because (laughs) Kelly's learned not to do that anymore, but I'm just saying it might be you. It seems like we're always in a rush from one thing to the next, that we we fill our diary with so much stuff. And even work now doesn't seem like work, it seems like a race. And, And you're just running from one thing to the next and the next, and you're thinking, how can I sustain this? But your employee keeps on asking you to do it over and over again. And you think, if I keep this pace up, I'm going to fall over and die. And then on top of work or school or looking after grandkids or whatever is going on in your life, you have spiritual expectations that come over the top or family expectations that come over the top. And I've got to say to myself, I even got to the point when my grandson was born, 
I was joyous, but I thought, how am I going to fit him in? And I'm serious. You know, my heart broke a little bit because I said, you know, I've got a mum that I've got to look after because my dad's passed away. I've got a mother-in-law that Kelly's got to... Um, well, not her mother-in-law is my mum, but my mother-in-law, her mum, Kelly lost her dad um, a little while ago and we've got to look after her. I've got kids that I've got... And I'm thinking, how am I going to fit it in and love you guys at the same time? And I just decided I'm not going to love you guys anymore. <laughs> It's not, tr- it's not true. It's not true. But, but isn't it getting that way where it just feels like every moment of our life is chock-a-block with stuff? And at times, aren't we tempted to, to walk into the room and go, God, why aren't more people helping me? Why does it just seem like I'm doing everything? Why does it seem like I'm overwhelmed? Why does it seem like this person who seems like they're doing nothing, even though I don't know what's going on in their life or their circumstances, can't help me? Because I'm busy. And so we get caught up in our busyness going from one thing to the next to the next and we can find ourselves worn out. We can find ourselves run dry. We can find ourselves working on autopilot. And, and I get it a lot. I get, Barry, you're a minister. You must be busy. And my, my standard lie is you know what, I'm working really hard at not being busy. Because it's easy to be busy. It's actually harder not to be. It's actually harder to stop and make sure that all your priorities are in place so that you can be healthy and that you can be whole. And so I want to say to you today that God loves someone who works hard. And there are people amongst us who are hard workers by their very nature. I used to look after chaplains around Australia and I went and visited one out in the rural country and, and I was sitting there with the school and with the chaplain and we're doing this interview and the school goes, we just cannot believe how much this person is doing. We're only paying her eight hours a week, but man, she's working hard. We're really concerned that she's going to burn herself out. And because it was in a, a rural pl- place, I was actually staying with her that night. And, and, and so we had this conversation. I was saying to her, I was saying, what do you think about the fact that these people are saying that you, you're just doing too much? She goes, Barry, if I stop, I'll die. I said, this is my marathon pace. I'm not even trying to go hard. And if you're that type of person, God loves you and has made you that way. That's okay. You exhaust me just by talking to you, but it's okay. I like you so much, I married someone like you. So there are people who are more contemplative and there are more people who like to get stuff done. And we've got to celebrate both of them. 
And when we get to stories like Mary and Martha, we can say to them, well, the busy person is not the person that Jesus is interested in. It's Mary who's sitting at his feet. But I don't think that's a right reading of what Jesus is trying to say here. I don't think that Jesus actually condemns either of these women. He sees them both as doing right until Martha complains. He's starting to see a picture from last week where Jesus doesn't judge someone until they judge someone else. And so I think that God loves people who work hard. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians 3.12, we get this from Paul. And he said, um, even while you, uh, we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. So work is of value. Yet I hear some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. So Paul's understanding was, if you weren't actually working hard, you were working hard at being annoying. So we command such people, urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's just putting a layer of authority in there, to settle down and work to earn their own living. So the Bible's not, I mean, and if you want to know what God thinks about hard work, just read the book of Proverbs, you know, and and, and you'll see time and time again that God's saying, get to work. If you have idle hands, you're actually in danger. So it's not like God is saying in this Martha and Mary story that hard work is not valuable, even from the very creation story. We were told to work and cultivate the garden. In fact, it's a part of us. And, you know, one of the things that is really interesting that particularly guys, when they retire and finish their employed employment, if they don't have something to put their hands to, they actually get depressed. They can't actually work out their value. So work is important But at the same time, I think God wants us to be aware that we can make an idol out of busyness. We can make it kind of like uh, a badge that we wear of honour. How are you doing this week? Oh, I'm busy. Man, busy, really busy. You know, we can can wear it as as a thing saying, well, I'm just important because... All this stuff is happening in my life. And and in fact, our busyness can be uh, something that we can focus on that can give us fulfillment that God is only meant to fulfill. That that if we keep ourselves busy, one, we don't have to think about stuff. I think I need to say that again. We can keep ourselves busy... So we don't have to think about stuff. And then we wonder why we go to bed and we can't switch our brain off. And we can idolise it as the fact that that is our sense of purpose and our sense of identity is not in God but in what we do and how we do it. So we can idolise busyness. We can use it as an excuse to stop us doing the things that God wants us to do. You know what? I'd like to come and worship, but I'm a bit busy. 
I'd, I'd like to help out that way. I think God might be asking me to deal with that stuff, but I'll get around to it when I'm not so busy. So we can idolise busyness and, and, and we can put it in the fact that we push up busyness and our schedule is the most important thing in our life. And particularly if you are wired to be someone who loves work, you can do this very easily. You can push it up and then you can push everything else that God wants to do in your life out of the way because you've put busyness there instead of him. And it's that kind of business that I don't think God's into. In fact, this whole Western culture of business, I don't believe God's into. Because I don't think it produces healthy people. I think it produces grumpy people. I don't think it produces healthy people. I think it produces tired people. I don't think it produces healthy people. I think it produces angry people. And in the story, we see Martha working away in the kitchen, doing what she thinks she needs to do, and she's stewing inside. Where's that Martha? Where is that Mary? Sorry. Why isn't she helping? You know what? Why is she sitting out there being lazy? I know what I'll do. I'll go talk to the Lord about it. But I think there is a way for us to work hard and be healthy at the same time. Because I think that's what God wants for you and for me. And I've got to start by the place of saying that I believe healthy people know how to rest. Healthy people know how to rest. Kelly's been reading a book on this. I go and see her about the book, but I... Uh, she, as she was talking to me, I asked her to jot down the areas of rest that they suggest that people should look at in their life. And there's quite a list. There's physical rest, okay, just resting your body. There's mental rest, that is calming your mind and what's important. There's spiritual rest, that is being in the presence of God and not feeling like you have to say something. There's emotional rest, getting rid of the turmoil in your life, getting your relationships right. There's social rest, creative rest, and sensory rest. And I look at that and go, wow, that's a list. That is a list of resting. When you think about the Sabbath... That's why God gave it to us, so that we can rest. We turn it into a law, we turn it into something. But Jesus was quite clear. He said, man is not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Why, why is that? Because we need rest. And I think you know, it doesn't matter if you're a busy person, uh, you know, you, you, you learn on that, you lean on that thing of always wanting to do stuff, or you lean more on the, uh, um, on not being able to do that. My words aren't coming well this morning that God wants us to rest well. And, and so I wonder for you, do you actually take a day of rest in your life? A week? Do you stop? Do you stop physically? Do you stop emotionally? Do you stop mentally? Do you stop 
Socially, do you stop sensory-wise? Do you stop and do something creative? Do you stop? With 24-hour servos that are open all the time, so you can always go and get that little bit of something that you forgot to buy. Do you rest when there is always something on? Do you rest? Now for me, resting on my day off, and I, I try and take my day off, I, I, put, I put my my phone on do not disturb, which means the only people can, that can ring me are the people in my favourites list. Everything else goes through the message. And I maybe in, in, during the day I'll check on it just to make sure there's no emergencies that come up. But I disconnect myself from all the information coming in. I don't actually rest physically on my day off because really I'm not that physically active during the week. I actually have to do something physical on my day off. So my rest is actually listening to my wife who says, you know those things that I've been talking about that you really need to do? Today is the day that you've got to do them. And if I'm a smart man, I say, yes, dear. But I actually need to get active on my day off. It's a different kind of rest for me. I need to actually get my body moving because I'm just sitting all the time, most of the time during the week. On my day off, I've got to look at ways in which I can sit in the presence of God and let him recharge me. Healthy people rest. Do you rest? Do you stop? You go, but Barry, you don't know my kids. You don't know my grandkids. You don't know my parents. You don't don't know what goes on in my life. You don't know the, the demands. You're right, I don't. I'm saying that if you want to be healthy in yourself, find a way to rest because it will not find you. One of the things that I thought was really quite interesting when you look at the creation story, God does all this work. On the sixth day, he creates the man. On the seventh day, he says what? Rest. So man has not even been made a day and God's already telling him to rest. If that doesn't give you permission, I don't know what does. The very first act that God gets mankind to do is have a day off. God is Australian. (laughs) Just have a public holiday. You know, I created you, now have a public holiday. That's good. So healthy people rest. And I want to encourage you, find a way in your life to rest. Give yourself a 24-block hour of time where you can regenerate your soul. Regenerate your mind, regenerate your body. I want to put to you that healthy people also know how to work and that they see work as worship. Healthy people don't see it as a list of jobs that need to be done, but they see it as worship. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, sorry, 10.31 says this, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, 
do it for the glory of the Lord. And, and Paul in this passage is, is talking about eating food from idols. But as I looked at it, I said, it's still true. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. It's, Lord, it's an act of worship. I was reading a, a, a book by a guy called John Mark Comer. And he said, the Hebrew word abad, A-B-A-D, means in Hebrew both work and worship. It means both work and worship. So there's this, this constant understanding that worship and work aren't separate things. You don't come and worship on Sunday and the rest of the week you work. They're saying whatever you do, see what you're doing as worship. And if you see what you're doing as worship, then you get into the, to the rhythm of keeping God in the centre of your doing. And for those of you who are particularly bent on busyness and on, on doing work, sometimes that can be a distraction. The list becomes more important than the job. Oh, sorry, than God. But I learned a long time ago that if you are busy, 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 and God is not in the worship in the centre of your busyness, you do not give yourself an opportunity to be interrupted. And if I know anything about God, God loves to interrupt. And so in the middle of your life, God will go, I want you to do this. And you will have a thought in your mind. Can I fit it in? And that's not the thought we want to have. So healthy people look at how, how work and worship work together. It's not about rushing around and doing stuff, but it's having time to make sure that all our priorities are in a line. And so in this story of Martha and Mary, we see that they're both doing right in the beginning of the story. See that Martha is in the kitchen, Mary is at the feet of Jesus, and when Martha wants Jesus to come in, Jesus goes, you know what? You're about doing those things and that's okay, but this is better. Sitting at my feet, learning about the eternal things of God is a better thing. And why does he say that? Well, I think he says that because the last thing that a healthy person does is trust God. And Jesus has just come off of just the chapter before, feeding the 5,000 with a couple of loaves and some fishes. And so in her mindset, Martha is thinking that she has to feed the crew. And we don't know how many disciples were with Jesus at the time, whether he just had the 12 or whether he had the 72 or whether he had the 100 and whatever else were with him. But she was putting upon herself that she needed to get it done. And Jesus was happy with that until she started complaining. But the reality is, is that she could have stopped and trusted God and let God feed everyone. And so a healthy person knows how to trust God in the busyness, in the work, and in the rest. That we don't have to make everything happen. We just have to try our best and let God do the rest. And so God welcomes you busy people. 
but he wants you to be healthy busy. And so I want you to remember these things. Work hard. Rest hard. Trust hard. Work hard. There's nothing wrong with hard work. God likes it. Keeps you on the straight and narrow. So work hard. But rest hard. Don't be on your phones all the time. Don't be in front of a screen all the time. Don't be meeting everybody's demands all the time. Go, you know what? The most healthy thing I can do right now is to make sure that I rest hard. And then trust that God's got you. Trust hard. Trust that he's for you, that he's going to work it out for you. And in that way, you'll be healthy. So I want to encourage you. If you're a busy person, God loves you. God welcomes you. God wants the very best for you. In fact, God wants you to flourish in how he's created you. But he doesn't want you burnt out. And he doesn't want you grumbling about what other people aren't doing. He wants you to step into his trust and his goodness for your life. So let's pray together. Loving God, I I thank you that you call us not just to uh, live busy lives, but you call us to be your people and to step into your trust and to rest in your grace and in your mercy. Loving God, will you come and speak to our hearts and our minds and help us, Lord, to be people who, who know how to live a balanced life for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray.